Welcome in to Minions and Musings. Hey, it's Evil Jeff once again behind the mic. Welcome you in to another episode of Minions and Musings. It's been a while. Been a very busy time taking care of a lot of things. But finally getting some downtime so I can get back into the podcasting a bit. Always good to do that. And I'm starting off this season. Yep, I am saying we're in a new season now. Whoopee. Uh, season three. So as I been more than two years now that I've been doing podcasting. Might as well get into other seasons and kind of change what I'm doing a little bit. At the end of last season, I had said that I was going to do a book review and, well, I was just too blasted busy otherwise. So, what we have today is that book review. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, the book in question is The Elusive Shift. How Role-Playing Games Forged Their Identity by John Peterson. This is roughly 310 pages of book, but uh, reading-wise, you're talking about 270 pages, and then the rest of it being notes and index and a bibliography in there. Uh, Peterson does a great job of organizing a huge amount of information and presenting it in a great way for you to really feel like you can understand where role-playing games came from. You know, we all might know some stuff. We've read some things, read a previous game. But really looking at how he goes about this and showing you, hey, you know, here's how we got to the game place where we are right now. How we got to role-playing games. Uh, really does a good job of that. This is a dense read. This is not one of these you're just going to sit down and breeze through it. You probably are going to have to break it up into chunks. And really, if you want to try to kind of digest and understand what is being said, you definitely want to pause after every so often in there and think about what's being said. I mean, that's what I did to really kind of kind of take stock at what I had read. Occasionally go back and read it again because more than once I found myself at the end of a small section going, what exactly did I read? So, a little bit about it for you. It was really interesting to see how D&D evolves from wargaming. Now, if you've read his previous book, uh, Playing at the World, then you probably already know this. In fact, this is sort of the beginning of this, sort of a digest of it. In fact, I'd read pieces of Playing at the World uh, and listening to Che Webster over on Roleplay Rescue who had done a review of this, and I, that was after I read the book, uh, even says so that the first part of this book is sort of a condensed version of 
know, understanding how D&D came about. But this is not just D&D. This is role-playing games. And how he backs up his premise is all of the excerpts from the fanzines, the APAs, and everything during that time frame, which gives you a great feeling as to what's going on on all the players' minds. All the GMs, you know, people that are working, and not just in the industry, but in this brand new world of stuff that's being pushed out out there. So, if you really like that idea, you know, to get an idea of, you know, how other people have thought, then this is really a, a good read for you. Again, still going to be dense. What I found interesting was knowing that Gygax and Arnson came from a wargaming background to generate this game uh, was to also see something that's popped up recently as well in many of the role-playing circles that any, most of us that are listening to this podcast have been into was how Kriegspiel plays a part in this. In fact, in the whole evolution of what we are calling role-playing games. Another thing that was interesting about Kriegspiel was that in the end, it comes down to three different types or uh, ways of playing Kriegspiel. You know, there's the free Kriegspiel, where it doesn't seem like there's much in the way of rules at, at all. There, but there's also a rigid and a semi-rigid. And in the book, you can see some arguments going back and forth about Kriegspiel. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Kriegspiel, hey, jump in there. Another interesting little piece that pops up is, you know, we said role-playing games, but really, how did we get there? That's something that the players came up with. Players started calling it that. In fact, as you look through a lot of the literature of the magazines and APAs and everything in the 70s, uh, reading this, fantasy role-playing was the term that they used, FRP. That's what was being used, more than just RPG. But that's what the players were using, the people that were buying the games and, and using it. So, you know, while they might refer to it that way, and I would say many of the people that were writing into the fanzines and everything were people that were GMs, they were creating things. Uh, it's just one of those... There's a shift that occurs right after probably 8081, really, for that. Now, granted, the industry did learn and kind of grabbed onto it as well. In fact, Tunnels and Trolls is the first one to use role playing games in ads. They started doing that in 1976, and Monsters, Monsters even had it in print. By the end of 76, Metamorphosis Alpha had put it into their text, and then 1977, on the cover of the Holmes Blue Book, 
role-playing game. So, while it might be talked about in magazines, hey, eventually it got shifted. You know, we started, you know, just like any of the terms we use in language, over time, enough people use it, we just start saying it. You know, how in the world did Google become the term we use for searching for something? I mean, it could have easily been yahooing it, could have easily been altavisting it. But, you know, eventually, when you're good at it, that's what happens. If we think some of the conversations we have are new, then we're fooling ourselves. But I say that in jest because many of us know nothing that we're having conversations about is new. We're just rehashing it. We're putting our viewpoints on it. It was great to read in this book all these different conversations that were happening at the very beginning and probably really directing how many games later on were going to be created and uh, the concepts that would be in there. You know, should you have character backgrounds or should there not be character backgrounds? How about alignment? Very nice chunk of pages in there dealing with alignment. And one of the other good things about these conversations is to see the games. There's so many games in here that I had never heard of and how they did things with them. You know, what's the role of the referee, DM, GM, whichever way you want to call it? And in fact, there's talk about that. You know, should players know any of the rules? Or more to the point, should they know the rules or should they not know the rules? Which way are you going to play? You know, you know, are you story gaming or are you power gaming? And then things in between. You know, when you roll the dice, do you let it stand? Or do you interpret things? And how often should you roll? Should the GM roll? Should the player roll? Who? You know, there's nothing really cool. I mean, I guess really to me, it was great to see what was being said. But it also helped serve me and what my thoughts were on it. Seeing all these different arguments in there and helping me kind of decide, how do I want to play? You know, taking that and saying, all right, what do I want to do with that? How, how would I want to run this game? You know, should I follow rules? Should it be more telling? You know, am I going to deal with backgrounds? So, you know, if you're interested in that, jump on into the book. Now, there are two items that I wanted to bring up that really I latched onto and it kept returning to mind. More than halfway through the main text, or maybe just over halfway in the main text, we finally come across the uh, couple definitions. Uh, both of these definitions were from the Wargamer's Encyclopedic Dictionary. That was printed in 1981. And it defined a munchkin as a young wargamer, generally under 14 to 16 years of age, and a grognard as a wargamer who has been in the hobby for a very long time. 
as interesting as it is, that means that those terms were already in effect prior to 1981 being collected. In fact, one of the definitions, uh, probably having been modified over time, was actually found in a Strategy and Tactics magazine in 1974, defining grognards as having been somebody in the hobby for at least eight years. I mean, I would say a lot of us that are listening to this, we're grognards at that point, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was interesting to see that. Yeah. And again, that evolution of language, we start making it mean other things. Of course, that's also another little pet peeve of mine in a way that, you know, we start changing how we use words to fit the narrative we want and we start changing the meaning well away from what his intended use is. And that can have some rather negative consequences. Another piece that caught my eye, and it's something that I had spoken about with several podcasts ago. Lee Gold, the founder of Alarms and Excursions, in 1977 advised this, quote, if your house rules run more than 30 pages, I suggest you consider you've invented a new game and copyright it. You know, we, we talk about running things as raw. We also talk about the house rulings and things we do. And I'd argued that some time back, when you start adding so many house rules, when you start importing things from another game, why aren't you just playing that other game? But that's the nature of the role player, of the GM, of the creators of these worlds. We tweak things to match what we feel like. Our version of the fantastic. Our version of horror. Our version of science fiction. And I would actually take her advice there and say tweak a little bit you know when you start running more than let's say 20 different house rules then maybe you've invented you know a new game or maybe you need to see why you're doing that i kind of find it interesting that spike pit you know colin green is uh taking dnd 5b and stripping out the pieces they doesn't need. He's streamlining it for his own purpose. You know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, when you take away, at some point, you start doing what some of the other people have been doing recently. Um, I guess, and though I have not looked at it, uh, Maze Rats. You know, that right there is a sort of a streamlining, as I understand it, of some rules. So, same idea. You know, you strip it down so much, you're playing a new game. But we love to tinker, we love to play, because why? It's our imagination. How much should we do? Well, okay, that's up to each of us. 
and we all have our own opinions about how much you should do or should not do. Doesn't do any good for us to yell at each other about it. Alright, so that's just my quick hit on the Elusive Shift. If you want to see where role-playing came from, and a lot of the conversations that we've been having, get some historical basis from it, maybe get some new ammunition for your arguments. You know, it's, a, it's again, a dense read. Uh, definitely not for everybody. And now, you know, I'm not one to go and buy books if I can help it, you know, I, if I'm going to read it again, yes. Would I read this book again? Probably not. You know, once through it was enough for me, but if I was really wanting to kind of delve deeper into it, uh, looking at some of the history, uh, and I want to get to a couple pages here at the very beginning, uh, right in the front of it, there are some acknowledgments and talk about the sources that you get that was used here. So, Alarms and Excursions, Avalon Hill General, I'm just hitting a couple of them here. Uh, the Dragon Magazine, Europa, Games Letter, International War Gamer, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Midgard Forum. So, you know, some pieces that he pulled from. You know, there's a there's a gold mine out there for if you really want to get into the history of it and see what other people are thinking. I think there's some hidden gems out there that we could probably pull out one more time. Thanks for hanging out, listening. Be good and face to face gaming. We should be there later.